Well, welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trade into the new trading session. We take the pulse of the financial markets, assessing the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets. Obviously, Open Outcry is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial system, and it's fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your host, Mr. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of the Flowdesk, myself, Chris Weston, head of research. How goes it, Mr. Redford? It's been a couple of weeks. There's been lots going on in markets, too much, in fact. Uh, how have you been? Yeah, I've been okay, thanks, Chris. It's great to be back talking to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've had some ups and downs over the last couple of weeks. I've had some poor Not, us, not us personally, the markets you're talking about. Uh, well, uh, the markets and us, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I was in hospital with tonsillitis for one thing, so I'd call that a down, but um, a lot of ups as well. You were away for a bit. How was that? Good fun? Yeah, just a... Uh, just trying my hand at uh, mustering. Um, I said that with a, a slight Aussie inflection at the end of my sentence, which seems to be <laughs> quite a prevalent thing these days. But uh, yeah, it's going well. It's good to good to get out of the comfort zone and, and get the hands dirty for the first time in a while. So yeah, it's good to get out the rain of Melbourne, I guess. So uh, you know, it's been uh, been been difficult to even cut the grass for Scott. I think for the last couple of weeks in Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. How's yours? It must be um, must be growing. I mean, we've had sun and rain, which is what you need for photosynthesis. Mate, I came out. I came out. I came out into the nature strip yesterday, and I realised that it's quite overgrown now. My neighbourhood uh, had mowed just one line down <laughs> through the middle of the grass. Basically, oh, I, don't, I don't. I don't get on particularly well with him. I think he's made a pretty clear yeah. statement. He's like, get it done. But uh, yeah, obviously, he's questioned my uh, manhood. It's, it's it's my duty to cut the grass, right? Yeah, so what do you do now? Do you just leave that strip to grow? Just you know, to overgrow like the rest of it, or do you give <laughs> in and so right. Ah, well, this right. is this is the dilemma. What to do? I think if uh, if you've got any views, let me know. But I think I'll probably leave it for a week and just say I'm not gonna be uh, I'm not gonna be bullied into cutting the grass there, Scott. Your oldest must be getting to the stage where, you know, he's doing a ten dollar job out the front there. This is why we uh, this is why we have kids, isn't it? So uh, they can help out around the house. Yeah. But uh, mate, let's talk about sport. This uh, what, what's on the mind at the moment? We've got uh, we've got Kansas playing against Raiders today. I'm, I'm probably thinking uh, Kansas get it done at home, given seven and a half points, probably break the line there. We've got uh, rugby league World Cup coming up. Have you got any uh, any tips for that? Australia to take that one home easily. Oh yeah, I mean Australia, they're hot favourites. They're paying one fifty or something. But you look at that Kiwi spine, mate, and um, <laughs> you, you wonder to yourself why why is this team paying five or six dollars at the bookies? You know, so I think possibly a bit of value there. And then of course um, the islands now incredibly strong, Samoa, Tonga. Um, so yeah, it's wide open. But I think the, the way the draw is, New Zealand will be playing Australia in the semi, so that'd be an interesting. I can't. I, mean, I couldn't name one English player to be honest. I think we've got. Uh... Ellery Hanley, um, Kevin Sinfield. I mean, are these people retired or I'm not sure, but okay, <laughs> Martin chariots of fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You'd be wearing a knee brace if he's still playing, but anyway, yeah. So I'm excited about that, but yeah, I guess that'll be at the crack of dawn. And then we've got a, a cricket world cup kicking off here pretty soon as well. I don't know if there's much excitement about that. I think there's a bit of T20 fatigue maybe. Well, England getting it done against Australia in the T20 before, so uh, hopefully that's a precursor to the uh, to the Poms getting it taken at home. So we'll see. And of course, you've got the mighty Arsenal, top of the league, looking at the good. Invincibles. Yeah, well, City. Arsenal City will take fan. It. I'm sure City will take it home deal. at the end of the day. Anyway. Yeah, see, this is the, the thing, Arsenal fans, the top of the league beating you all comers, but they're still so nervous, aren't they? You know? Oh, mate. No belief yet, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Redford, let's uh, let's let's get into the markets. 
So the markets, yeah, quick recap. It was a, it was a weaker start to the week for um, equities markets following the bombing of Kiev over the weekend. Um, the NASDAQ finished down about a percent, S&P down 0.7, um, albeit in thin Columbus Day trading. Uh, European markets likewise mildly weaker, uh, although DAX did finish flat in the end, FTSE off half a percent. Asia was where we saw some real weakness. Um, some markets returning from last week's holidays, but also a new set of measures from the US to cut off China from certain semiconductors um, that hit tech stocks. Hang Seng down 3%, CSI down 2.2%. If we drill down into the sectors on the S&P, we see it was energy stocks leading the losses there, names like Exxon, Occidental sliding um, as oil pulled back. Um, to FX markets, the Antipodeans were the most notable movers, Kiwi dollar, um, and in particular Aussie dollar, continuing their recent slow, both hitting two and a half year lows overnight. Uh, commodities, oil took a breather of sorts. WTI and Brent back off, uh, both close to two percent. Uh, we did see some moves up in agricultural commodities, your niche markets, uh, the likes of cotton and wheat, up five and six percent respectively. Mm. Um, rates and bonds, mate. What do you say? Bonds close Columbus Day. Apparently, Columbus never actually stood, stood foot in uh, in in the US, but uh, he's still got an influence to this day. Um, but what we did see was the rates market being open, so bond market was closed. Um, but we have seen rates markets. Uh, I think they're, they're certainly worth uh, worth noting. Ahead of the CPI number this week, markets fully discounting uh, 75 basis points for the 2nd of November Fed meeting and then uh, going to the December meeting. How's this for a gift for Christmas? Another 57 basis points going uh, priced for that meeting. Uh, we can talk about what's happening in Australia today. I'm not sure it's going to have any like major bearing, to be honest, but we've seen a much more sort of nuanced, uh, more conventional policy settings. The market's expecting 25 basis points uh, from the Reserve Bank on the 1st November, um, whereas in Europe, you go into the next meeting, which is the end of the month, 27th of October, and the market's pricing 70 basis points there, and then another 63 basis points for December. The UK, where we're seeing a lot of fireworks taking place, we can talk about that in a second, um, but the 3rd of November, just before Guy Fawkes night, the market's pricing in 120 basis points. Uh, the biggie, mm. the Mac Daddy, that would be the biggest in, uh, um, cash rate uh, increase uh, across any G10 central bank this year if they were to raise by that amount. So if they were to go 125, uh, that would arguably be the biggest, uh, eclipsing uh, the Canadians and the Swedish who, who raised 100 basis point this year. And then if you go into December, 15th of December, the market's pricing in 100 basis points for that as well. So a lot still expected. Um, are we going to get the pivot? Are we going to get the pause? It doesn't seem likely at the moment. So that's where we are in terms of rates. But of course, we do keep our eyes on on, on the US bond market um, and really, you know, what's going to happen uh, with rates, uh, real rates, and um, yeah, nominal treasuries ahead of that uh, that all important CPI number, which we will talk about in two seconds, Mr. Redford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, and and just touching on that. Um, you know, the, the UK uh, meeting, they, they announced yesterday they're going to update their fiscal plan, is that how we describe it, on the 31st of October. So that's become one to look out for as well. Yeah, I mean, if we start with the, the pound um, and, uh, you know, what's going on there, I mean, the the first the 31st of October is, is the fiscal plan. Everyone was expecting this, but they were expecting it in November. Um, so they brought that mm. forward a, a, a few weeks. Um, and therefore, I think what's going to be interesting, it takes place on, on the night of Halloween. How's that for a, for a spooky fact? 
Um, and <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot riding on this because, you know, you've got, we just talked about what's happening there with the Bank of England. They're coming out on the 3rd of November. Um, and that fiscal plan, how they're looking to balance the budget, how they're looking to manage this going forward, you know, you could see some massive gyrations in in UK gilts. We've already seen that um, in the market for a bit of a tantrum on the idea that they were, they were, rolling out this massive fiscal stimulus, which was completely unfunded and at a time when they've got huge current uh, twin deficits at a time when the Bank of England are rolling off quantitative tightening. Um, you know, you've got yourself a, a recipe for volatility. So we'll see what the what the Chancellor comes out with on um, with that with his fiscal plans and the Office of Budget Responsibility. Um, and also, you know, then then four days later, the Bank of England will have a chance then to um, to sort of clean up any kind of mess that's been left by the government there. But one suspects after the mini budget that the uh, the the government there under trust and, and the Chancellor are going to have a a sort of a more in tune to understanding about what's happening with with the connections with the capital markets, but that that's the big one there. What we have seen is a sell off coming through uh, overnight in in the UK bond market, and in anticipation, this short term temporary bond buying measures to to appease the market pricing um, will roll off at the end of the week. That is definitely something that we've got to be watching um, going forward. And we saw real rates in the UK having one of the biggest moves we've ever seen. Absolute bloodbath coming through in terms of lifting higher rates. Uh, so, you know, we didn't see huge amounts of selling in the pound. We have seen some selling generally in a broad dollar move. But what are we seeing from, from clients in, in the pound at the moment? Is there a, a sort of a heavy skew towards one positioning, given that we do have this um, you know, temporary measure being rolled off at the end of the week, Scott? It's not a massively heavily skew, uh, heavy skew. I think clients are cautious, understandably so, on sterling, but um, they're certainly long at the moment overall in terms of um, yeah, our overall book positioning is long for clients um, and short dollar at the moment. Yeah, good stuff. So that's uh, definitely one to watch out for. Um, and whether we see a rerun of, of, of the volatility is obviously yet to be seen. But uh, obviously, we keep an eye out and uh, uh, keep an open mind in, in, in trading, don't we? And uh, if the vols do pick up in, in sterling, then then we've got to react to that. Then we're back on, yeah, exactly. Um, I apologise, I did jump ahead on our, on our four points to discuss today. So we've gone through GPP. That if we go back, equities, um, where does the balance of risks sit at the moment? We've seen... Um, it's sort of really what I call that Goldilocks volatility for a certain kind of trader where we've seen good size intraday and interday moves in both directions and traders have had to adjust their style to what is the, I guess, the current norm. Mm. Um, yeah, where do you see the balance of risk at the moment? Well, we've got earnings kicking off this week and we've got uh, JP Morgan coming out later this week and uh, yeah, obviously we saw overnight uh, Jamie Dimon you know, talking about this idea that the next there could be an easy 20, 20 to 20% downside to the equity market. Yeah. Um, I think he's, you know, he, he's called it pretty well so far, uh, looking for a recession in the US in six to nine months. I think that seems to be the, the, the clear play at the moment. Um, look, I mean, in terms of earnings, I, I do think that you know, we've got to make an assumption that currently consensus earnings in the US for next year around $2 or $224. Um, that puts it on a multiple of about 16 times. And you've got to take your view. Do we get a soft landing? In which case, you know, you, you probably earnings for next year should probably be a little bit higher. Um, or do we see, you know, a pretty dark recession, in which case you could be trading down to $200 uh, and then valuations adjust as, as accordingly to that. Uh, that's not something necessary for now. Uh, we are watching that earnings season coming through where the market's expecting about 3% earnings growth, 13% sales growth and net margins to decrease about 75 basis points. Um, 
I obviously all focus on what they say about the dollar and all those factors around that. You know, all the earnings growth is going to come from energy. Um, but it does feel, you know, this idea of don't fight the Fed um, and the, the Fed have made it pretty clear that, that they, they're not going to pivot anytime soon, um, that it really is dependent on, on what happens with the CPI print this week, which we can discuss in a second. But, you know, for me, uh, if we do see a hot core CPI number above 6.6%, then equities are going to break through those recent lows. Growth stocks are going to you know, be down. Value stocks are going to be down as well. Um, will earnings uh, be the, the catalyst? Um, you know, for for a, for a positive run, I'm not so sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do think that the risks probably are skewed to the downside, even though where we've been seeing because the, the idea of don't fight the Fed still continues to be that this market trades lower. So yeah, I think the balance of risk. I think we're more likely to see a down a 10 percent down move than a 10 percent up move. What's your thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, I completely agree with you on the balance, and in terms of the speed of the moves, it feels like the risk is certainly to the downside, isn't it? Yeah, and I, th- I think the um, the central banks are pretty happy with you know they're kind of almost welcoming a recession, you know, and uh, I think that's yeah. that's one thing. I mean, you know, we we talk about client flow all the time, and you know you've got people who are running algorithmic strategies, you've got people who are sort of day trading, scalping, swing traders. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of different timeframes and flow effectively. But what's the sort of net aggregation now if we use? Um, the US 500 and, and Nasdaq, where where you know the, the, the sort of the net skew of, of, of directional plays there? Where's the delta? It's it's. Uh, I mean, people are people are long looking for a bit of a bounce at the moment, but it, it really the swings. I mean, ask me in an hour's time, and it could have easily swung around. That's mm. how um, well balanced our book is at the moment um, on on the US indices. I mean, they're, they're always popular, but at the moment, particularly so. Um, as I said, that it feels like for our sort of core uh, group of active traders, it really is perfect conditions for um, for active trading. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's while we see um, decent positioning on FX and gold, clients are long gold at the moment um, on the indices. It's, it's really well balanced. Sorry, yep. if that's a boring answer, but yeah, that's how. It <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's it's difficult to price risk. I think when you, when you get so many different views and and the distrib- distributions of, of those views are so just are so wide that you know that's when you get these these people chopping in and out of positions very very quickly. I guess so. Yeah, a lot of that really yeah. de- determined um, by time frame, and it's it's not one 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 you know, size fits all. It's just all different people doing different things at one time. I suppose when you're looking at that skew, though, uh, for me the balance of risk is is lower. Um, Let's talk about the dollar, Scott, because um, I, I want to. You know, this is this is obviously one that we we see huge amount of interest from clients, probably more than anything else. Or if you're looking at mm. euro dollar and those factors, um, what's the general sort of uh, general net position on, on the dollar at the moment? Where are we seeing the sort of the, the biggest the biggest interest? Uh, is, is it in pound? Is it is it, is it in Aussie dollars? Given that we're trading sub sixty three cents at the moment. Yeah, we, we've seen it swing around in the last couple of weeks, so we're back at the moment to to clients. Being short, near short um, US dollar, um, looking for a pullback. Um, in terms of what they're trading against, yes, sterling has become our most popular one over the last few weeks for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, followed by euro dollar was popular. But yeah, we have seen a real pickup in Aussie dollar activity 
Um, yeah. Well, it's a massive move. Last night it was, it was taken to the woodshed and chopped up into little pieces, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, I think the cries for overseas holidays are getting more expensive by the day. We're going to get a flood of uh, Americans coming over to uh, to the Bondi beaches on on, 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 the, on the strong dollar uh, looking for that going <laughs> forward. I will, I will say in terms of the pound as well, we're, we're pushing that 38% retracement of that, that monster rally that we saw between the 26th of October um, into you know the, the 4th of October there say or 5th of October I know you look at your FIB levels very very closely Scott um, but yeah I think that seems quite well, important as well <laughs> but yeah it does seem like the, uh, yeah, the, 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 it's easy to still be a US dollar bull um, I've got my eye on dollar yen um, that's broken out yeah I was just going to say we, we can't forget yen that's, we're, clients are long yen at the moment what do you think well, it's it's going up at the moment. My, my own view, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to critique a, a client position in any kind of capacity, but you know this is one that, that that's obviously a reflection of the bond market. If, if if we get, I mean, this is just it's a binary bet almost, really, isn't it? And the idea that what happens with CPI numbers this week. So I think that's sort of a good good segue into you know the, the CPI print. Um, it does seem. I mean, I'd be interested to see you. I mean, you, you've been working on flow desks for years, and you know, in terms of managing risk. Uh, We've got this this marquee event risk in the US CPI number this week in the sense that yeah, the, the Fed are myopically focused on inflation. You've got multi-generationally high inflation. The market's looking for 6.5% on core inflation and 8.1% on headline inflation, which headlines go, expected to go back a little bit with energy prices, uh, energy contribution down 3.5% as a result. Um, but the sort of the sticky underlying views of shelter and owner-occupied rents and all those factors are still going to underpin the core inflation number. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I want to be saying, well, from a very, very simplistic playbook, um, I think if we get core above 6.6%, let's say it's 6.6% and above, um, and the, the trend over the last sort of 12 to 13 CPI numbers is, has been above consensus. So that, yeah, we've, mm. we, we've seen that moving. So one, one suggests if we, if we were to see a form guide that inflation is going to come out top, top side, uh, if we were to see 6.6%, it's just going to sort of solidify the view that we've seen a rapid tightening of financial conditions and core inflation is going to stay higher for much longer and ingrained, which means that the Fed are going to have to raise higher and they're going to keep them there for much longer, something that they've been pretty keen to tell us about. So I think we're going to see 6.6%. I think the dollar rallies hard. Um, I think the NASDAQ comes off. I think gold comes off. Um, I think for, 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 for relief to come through, we're going to have to need to see, you know, headline inflation probably wearing a seven handle. I think we probably need to see core inflation below 6.3%. I think in that situation, people can, can look at the finite details within the inflation numbers and say, well, you know, this looks pretty good. I think we've probably seen that's peak inflation. Maybe this gives some scope for a pause in the new year in terms of rate hikes and, and, and we can see some relief coming through. That's the sort of playbook I'm running with. Would I take a position ahead of that? Probably not, even though I do see some balance risk the upside. Obviously, the hope is that we get a weaker number. Uh, Scott, how, how, you know, as a risk manager, how do you trade this? Do, do you say, look, I just, I think this is too big a deal. I don't want to be running dollar exposures into the meeting. I'm probably better off just waiting for the for the actual outcome because the first move is probably not going to be the last move there. How, how do you do this from a risk perspective? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had that answer, I probably wouldn't have to get up and record a podcast with you, to be honest. You know, but I'd you would sitting, do. <laughs> I'd be sitting on my farm in the NT. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing I want to ask you is: is it clear? Based on you know when the number comes out, is it clear what the move is going to be? I mean, it, like you say, we there's almost a consensus that the number is going to be above consensus. So, so does that become the new consensus? 
<laughs> consensus of the pair of two. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, yeah, we always watch. I, the, the, the most important thing for me is is what happens in in the terminal rates. So it's difficult for a lot of people to price. So you can get that on on Trading View, for example. You can you can have a look at Fed mm. funds futures, have a look at the March contract, see how that's trading because it's around the sort of March where the where the, where the terminal rates price. So that's the highest point in the Fed funds uh, where where we're looking at um, where the where the pricing is most elevated. That's what we call the terminal pricing where it could get to. Um, but another way you can look at that is just look at two-year Treasury yields because that's where you know, all that, that, that rates pricing is encapsulated in much more cleanly rather than sort of long-end yields. Um, mm. So if we were to see a sell-off and, and, and rate that terminal rate was you know, to push close towards 5%, uh, we're at 465 at the moment, 468. Yeah, there's this pretty clear trade. The dollar's going to rally and equities are going to get smacked. That's 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 the bottom line. So it's an easy trade. So I'm watching that as your first derivative. The second derivative is everything that's been priced off high rates, high real rates, and that dollar strength. So if the if the dollar rallies on the back of that, dollar yen is probably your cleanest play. Um, then you're going to have risk sensitive plays such as Aussie dollar, which is going to come off hard. You know, we mm. saw that yesterday with with yeah, obviously concerns around what's happening in Ukraine with with Russians' ag- ag- aggression. Um, you know, and, and um, and other factors playing through, but the Aussie dollar was smacked, not because of anything necessary that was happening in Australia, but because it's just a risk, risk proxy, proxy. And you know, China reopened after its markets and, and was down pretty hard as well. So, yeah, I think that's that's yeah. that's what you're looking like at. Look at rates, 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 rates leads in this situation, right? Mm, mm, I should answer your question properly. I mean, the sensible thing to do is, of course, reduce your exposure going into an event like that. Mm. And if you do want to trade it, you know, it can be a bit of fun, of course, reduce your size, widen your stops, maybe even use things like stop entry orders. Um, we're waiting for the move to confirm your suspicions before, yep. you, before we go into the trade. Yeah. Or um, you could you could get a bag of cement, max your leverage yep. up to 500 to 1, increase your yeah, position size, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if you can sleep, if you can sleep well at night, you haven't got a big enough position. Yeah, and then just pay someone to mow your lawn. Yeah, that's right. That's reckless. Don't do that. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so you're looking ahead. That's the big one this week. Um, today we've got Aussie consumer and business confidence. Do you think that's one to watch out for, given Aussie dollars moves of late? Uh, yeah, we will watch it. I think it's good for ten points max. Uh, in, okay. in the Aussie dollar, so you know it's really important as econ- economists watch this one really closely. But uh, it doesn't really necessarily feed through into massive vol in in the currency. I've never noticed or observed that. Um, no. And look, the RBA, you know, have moved probably the first G7 central bank to move to, move to more conventional twenty five basis point set, uh, policies. We talked about rates pricing and the market at the next meeting looking for another twenty five basis points, whereas other central banks are going. Yeah, really, really hard. Um, and that may be causing some underperformance. We're not seeing it necessarily against the Kiwi dollar. Aussie Kiwi is a really good proxy of what's happening on those kind of rate differentials and that's sort of moving sideways at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think unless we're to see a really strong deterioration, um, then you know, I think a, a slight miss or a modest miss or a modest beat is probably good for maximum of about 10 pips. So going back to your point yeah, there okay. of, of managing risk around the event, it's not something I'm, I'm I'm too concerned about. So watching for the reopen of the US bond market, yeah. Any kind of trends there, and then general sort of general sentiment as we ramp up into Europe and in, into that. So, not not one that I'm uh, I'm too concerned about uh, on that. Um, I'm going to throw it back to you uh, in terms of markets to watch. Um, 
given what we've got there. Uh, what, are, what are you watching, uh, Scott? I mean, we've got a load of Fed speakers coming through over this week. I think that's going to be really important, not just the US CPI numbers. Um, and my market to watch for you know for the next few days until we next do that podcast on Thursday is dollar yen. Why have I chosen that? Well, I think it's probably most sensitive to what's happening in front end rates and, and the CPI print. It's you know less impacted by by risk sentiment like the Aussie and, you know, it's, it's a really good proxy of what's going, but also, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of mid 145s at the moment. We're above the, the Bank of Japan MOF's intervention level, which recently came out, which caused a five yen move to the downside. So that makes it really interesting. You've got a CPI play there, Fed speaker play, but also are we going to start seeing the MOF making noises about intervening and, and not being happy about what the, the levels they're seeing and potentially that that pace uh, of moves as well. So I've got Dolly Yen on the radar. What are you watching? Yeah, I like that. I, I'm, I'm looking at the Hang Seng. Um, it, it was strong last week, but if you zoom out, of course, and it's been a, it's been a fairly relentless drop from its highs back in 2018. Indeed, it's now trading around half that level. It, it traded down through 17,000 uh, last week for the first time since 2011. Um, so what's going to what's going to stop the slide? That is the the Communist Party conference next week. Is that one to watch for that? I don't. Thing, do yeah, I mean, it's it's, I mean, it's, it's a really important. Yeah, in terms of the personnel who's going to be who's going to be picked, um, and obviously that has huge implications for for economics going forward. But I shudder to think, and I, I really shudder. I mean, I generally will be shuddering um, on the idea that it's <laughs> going to be a major vol event. I think what's more important for Hong Kong. Um, is the dollar? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's got. A, a, yeah, as the dollar's going up, you know, you're seeing, um, yeah, just it being a wrecking ball for a lot of emerging markets, mm-hmm. and and you know, I think you've seen that really playing into that. So, look, I think yeah, Hang Seng had a little bit of a reprieve early October. It's now back testing those those recent lows, um, mm-hmm. yeah, into the sort of low seventeen thousand. So, if it was to me that this is one for the breakout traders to 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 look on the downside there, I don't think the. Uh, the, the party conference over the weekend is going to have huge amounts of gapping risk. Uh, it's not something that if I was holding shorts, I'd be too concerned, rightly or wrongly, about holding it through the weekend for this this event to be a gapping risk in itself. Good call, though. I think that's a, a really interesting one. You love the Hang Seng, don't you? Because it's got a good amount of volatility in it and it sort of trends quite well. But I want to hear your fact of the day, Scott, before we wrap it up. Fact of the day. Look, I, I hope you don't mind, but I've actually gone for a household tip of the day today. You okay with that? Yeah, go for it, mate. You know, you know, you, you get your fish and chips on a Friday, and old Bill there down at North Road Fish and Chip Shop, he throws in a, a bunch of extra chips. And you, you, while you appreciate it, you go, "Geez, what are we going to do with these extra chips? We don't want to waste them, but I don't want to eat all these." So you put them in the fridge, and then inevitably, a couple of days later, you end up throwing them in the bin because you can't reheat old chips. You know, no, you now, can't. I've, I've found a way that's actually pretty good for reheating chips, mate. What you do, preheat your oven. As hot as it goes, about 250 degrees in my case. Yeah. And then get them spread out evenly on a tray, single layer, about four to five minutes, and um, chuck a bit of salt on them. And you'll find that it's a pretty good recreation of how they were a couple of days before. It's a, it's a fascinating tip. It really is. Um, chicken salt chicken, solves a lot, doesn't it, when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's always. And, you know, the other one is. Um, it's it's really underrated in Australia, and it's just malt vinegar. You've got a lo- you've got a lo- lacquer it on, lacquer on the, the 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 malt vinegar, and you've got yourself a yeah a, a decent recipe there. So um, yeah, good tips. That, you know, people can live their life by uh, some of some of your uh, your your um 
your advice there. So good one to have. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. We'll, uh, we'll be back on Thursday for more uh, of uh, Open Outcry, where we'll probably be re- reviewing and, and previewing CPI, but obviously the, the market moves going into that number as well. So actually, no, it's going to be on Friday, isn't it? So we will actually have a review of the CPI number and how markets have gone. We will see you back there. Thanks for listening. And from myself, goodbye. And from Mr. Scott Redford. Goodbye, Christopher. All the best. <laughs>